You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Bove of Calvary Chapel, Anaheim. Pastor James is continuing his teaching today in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Right now, though, we're going to rewind this message back a bit as we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 13, beginning with verse 19. Here's Pastor James with today's message. Verse 19, so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord, and he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground And Manoah thought, I'm going to die because I saw God. But his wife, who was wiser than he, said, you idiot. If he was going to kill you, you'd be dead by now. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) And so this is such a neat picture then as the angel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, foreshadowing his sacrifice being the whole burnt offering, steps in, puts himself on the altar, and then up he goes into heaven just like Jesus ascended into heaven, a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And we too are to offer the sacrifices. But first, Ephesians 5.2. Ephesians 5.2, it says, And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So there you have it in the Scriptures. Jesus is the whole burnt offering, the sacrifice. Now, what about our part? Let's take a look at Philippians 4.18. It says, indeed, I have all and abound. And this is uh, the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. He says, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. So the church at Philippi sent the Apostle Paul some things as he was in prison in Rome that he needed. And then what does he call those things? He says, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And so the provision that was given to Paul in his need by the church was called a sacrifice, and it was pleasing to the Lord as God received it as a sweet-smelling aroma. And so we too, as we take care of the needs of our friends and our family and those around us, anybody that we see in need, as we give that sacrifice, then God is well pleased with that. Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Therefore by Him, Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We can do this in prayer, as just in our prayer time. You know, Jesus did this in the model prayer. He said, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. (laughs) Give praise to the Lord. Well, here we give God the sacrifice of praise. And it is a sacrifice sometimes. Because we get comfortable with the familiar, even if the familiar is negative. And it takes effort to go, you know what? I am not going to stay here. 
I am going to give praise and thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ right now for all of the blessings that I enjoy. I'm going to count my blessings. I'm going to name them one by one, and I'm going to praise God. Praise you, God. You're amazing. You're wonderful. Yeah, I'm sick right now, and I'm throwing up every 20 minutes, but I give you praise and thanks, and I worship you. Thank you that you took the pain, and this pain's nothing compared to what you did on the cross for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that even if I die from this sickness, I get to go to heaven and be with you forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And and we encourage ourselves in the Lord, and we offer to Him the sacrifice of praise. And there is a positive outcome in the end of that, because when the Lord receives our sacrifices, Man, he says, I accept that sacrifice. And he sends blessings of joy into our lives. Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so our bodies, our very bodies, are to be sacrifices to the Lord. We, like that angel of God, with Samson's parents are to climb up on the altar and allow ourselves to be burned up, so to speak, for the Lord. God, consume my flesh, my own fleshly desires, my own selfishness in the family, always my way or the highway. Let it get burned up. Let it get burned up in Jesus' name. Let's read on now. We're in the middle of verse 9. It says, Then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. You see, the Lord answered him because he sacrificed his whole burnt offering for the atonement of sins to the Lord. And God said, I accept that sacrifice. And then he cried out to the Lord now in good standing, in good relationship with God. He says, God, help us. And God says, okay, I will. And when God comes to help, (laughs) oh man, the miracles he does, friends, blows our minds. And so let's see how he blows their minds. It says in verse 10, now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. Notice the drama of this. The army is coming to butcher them, and Samuel's there at the altar burning up a sacrifice, crying out to God for help. Kind of reminds us of Moses at the Red Sea. And then what happens? It says, middle of verse 10, but the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, meaning the stone of help, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Oh, this is a beautiful thing. We have a wonderful uh, rescue as God comes to the rescue, the knight in shining armor, and he did that through his son Jesus Christ on the cross for us, the knight in shining armor. But then Samuel says, let's set up a stone and call it Ebenezer, the stone of help, so that every time we see this stone, we remember that God helped us in the past, and therefore, He's going to help us in the future. Amen? He did it before. He's going to do it again. 
And I love to take time and talk with Christy and others and remember what God has done. The Bible teaches us directly, take time and remember what God has done for you. And I remember early on, I, I didn't have friends, and, and, and my dad came in and said, what's wrong, Jimmy? I don't have any friends, Dad. And he said, well, first of all, here's a scripture for you. If you want friends, first be friendly. Oh, okay, that's great practical advice. But he also said, let's, let's pray for friends. And we prayed, and God brought me a wonderful group of friends. And then we couldn't have kids naturally, and so we prayed and asked God, and God did miracles, and now we have kids. We've had plenty of times where we needed provision. We were lacking. We couldn't pay the bills. We said, God, we need help. And I've got many, many stories of that provision in my life, probably too much because of my own decisions sometimes, and other times just because, you know. And so then God does what? He provides. He comes through because we're His kids. Those times where you almost died, but you didn't. I've got lots of those stories because I'm kind of dumb when, it, when I get out there, you know. There was the time I was rock climbing. <laughs> This was over in Fullerton by the, it was on Bass and Cherry and Harbor, whatever, there's this underpass and there's these little rocks that someone had stuccoed to the wall and, and I'm climbing up, you know, to get to the bolts where I can uh, put my anchor and I forgot to clip into one of the bolts along the way and then towards the top I fell and I'm falling down and I'm like, oh no, and the rope went tight literally two feet before I hit the ground. And the Lord, you know, the, the rope has stretch in it. And so it stretched two feet. The Lord gave me a spanking as I landed on my bottom just, just hard enough that it felt like a spanking. And then I popped back up onto my feet looking up like this. God saved me that day, or at the very least, he saved me from permanent paralysis or something, you know, landing on my lower back from... 30 feet probably isn't going to be good for my back. God did that. And so I look back and I remember what he did and I go, God, you're amazing. You have given your angels charge over me lest I dash my foot against the stone, lest I slap my bottom against the ground. So praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, verse 13, so the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistine all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites." And you see what God did? He gave them victory over their enemies, and they took back what the enemy had taken away. And that's what God does with our lives as we come to Him and cry out for help, and He comes to the rescue. And all of those bad times and the water under the bridge and all the junk that happened, God can restore. And it's, sometimes it's a process, and it takes time, and it's difficult, and there's a fight with the enemy and a fight against condemnation and all of that, but oh, how beautiful it is when we come to the Lord, and He takes all those horizontal relationships and fixes them as we focus on that vertical relationship with Him. And so I want to encourage you, there's hope. Are you struggling in your marriage? Are you struggling with friendships, relationships with family members? Are you in addiction right now? There's hope for you. 
God can do it. Turn to Him, cry out to Him for help, and do what He says. And you will receive the, the blessing of deliverance and of restoration. And He can take your beat-up marriage and turn it into a fiery hot romance, friends. He can do it. Believe Him for it. Have faith and pursue it. How do you do that? Pursue God. Pursue God and watch Him do it. You're a couple. The closer you get to God, the closer you get to each other. Hallelujah. It works, friends. And so verse 15, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He finishes well. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah for his home was there. There he judged Israel and there he built an altar to the Lord. And so Samuel, we're going to find out here in a second, has a family. He has kids, he's got a wife, he's got a family while he's serving the Lord. Now verse 1 of chapter 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. Oh, no. They turned aside. Oh, man, the flesh stinks. After dishonest gain, they fell to greed, took bribes. The people would come with a dispute, but one party would say, hey, here's 40 bucks, man. Vote my way. Okay. Who's the highest bidder? And perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. You see, they're looking around at the nations around them and they're seeing that they have these worldly leaders, people who are decisive and well-organized quick decision makers, and, and they uh, exert their dominance over others, and the people go, wow, you're awesome. We want a person like that. We want a strong king, a person who we can look up to and who will be our hero. We want to be like all the other nations. We're tired of relying on this God of ours. We want a worldly king. And this is what the world has, has asked for and longed for in the flesh through all of history. And so they elevate worldly people into positions of leadership, and it doesn't do any good by and large to have a sinful, fleshy person at the top with all the power. And God knows that, and God is displeased with this situation, as is Samuel. And so we read in verse 6, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you. Why? For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. They're saying, God, we don't want you as our king. 
but instead we want a worldly leader to be our king. And God was hurt by this, and he recognized it for what it was. It was rejection of him. Let's keep God on the throne, friends. Let's not try to take the throne for ourselves or give it to another. The government is not our savior. This is why we have the government system that we have with checks and balances. Because we understand sinful nature. Our founding fathers understood sin nature. And if you take a sinful person and give them all the power, it doesn't work out well. We need to keep God on the throne. Verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Samuel, you are joining in. You're identifying with me. You see, you and I, Samuel, we're friends, and we're on the same team. And so when they reject me, they're rejecting you along with me. But don't take it personally because it's mostly me. And so as we go out into the world and we share the love of Jesus Christ with people, some people want nothing to do with God. I was handing a lady a, a track the other day. It said, you know, how to know God personally. I said, hey, would you like to know God personally? And she said, no. I'm like, you don't want to know God? personally? No. I said, okay, well, have a great day, (laughs) you know, and and it just kind of blew my mind, like, wow, like some people be like, can I know God personally? Yeah, let me show you how, you know, but most people are either indifferent towards the Lord or they're in outright rebellion against Him. And we can't take that personally. As we identify with God, they're rejecting God. And just because we're in his family, we're going to feel that. But we keep giving the word anyway without letting fear of rejection get in the way. Yes. Verse 9, Now therefore heed their voice, however you shall solemnly warn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. God is so good to give us warning. And so in verse 10, he's going to give them a warning. And as we read through this, you will see that this is what worldly leadership has done throughout history. And it ends up with the oppression of people by the rich and the powerful. And so it says in verse 10, so Samuel told the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take. Let's just stop right there. That's what the king will do who rules over you, the worldly king. He will take. Not a giver, but a taker. A self-serving, fleshy person. So he will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. You see, it's all about him. 
Verse 13, he will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He's going to show favoritism. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and his servants. And he will take your male servants and female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, and put them to his work, his purposes. Verse 17, he will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. And so they're choosing for themselves a worldly king. It's going to come back to bite them and they're going to complain about that and God's going to say, you've made your bed, now sleep in it. You see, and it's so interesting to me that the world history as we know it is going to culminate with the choosing of an antichrist, a worldly king to rule the world, a false messiah, savior, and it's going to come back to bite the whole world as this guy is chosen but it, it's going to usher in the coming of King Jesus, who is, yes, praise the Lord, who is not like the world, who came to die for the world, who's not self-serving, but serves God the Father and has the best interest of His people in mind. This is the kind of king that the people really long for, but it means being a, a part of his kingdom and sub being subject to his rules, you see? And that's what the world doesn't want. We want a good, kind, loving king, but we don't want his rules. We want to do what we want to do. And so Jesus came, and he lived the perfect life, and he exemplified the servant leader, and he kicks off the Passion Week by coming into Jerusalem lowly and riding on a donkey, showing humility. Matthew 21, 4, after they had prepared the donkey and they put their cloaks on the donkey and the people began spreading out the clothing before the donkey and putting the palm branches down and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have here in Matthew 21, 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt in the foal of a donkey. Hallelujah. And so we're looking forward to the return of King Jesus. And I can say to you today, and it's true for me too. Behold, your king is coming to you. Hold on, friends. The world's getting bad. And we, we talked in Mark about the increased frequency and intensity that we would see as we come closer to the end. And we see it right off the heels of the pandemic. We're now in the midst of war that brings us back to what it looked like during World War II. And I wish I could say, oh, it's going to get better, don't worry. 
Well, if it does get better, it's a temporary better, friends. But it will get better for you and for me. As we look forward to the soon return of Jesus, and even before that, we're going to be raptured and go to heaven. Praise Jesus, the King is coming. Behold, your King is coming. Is He your King? Praise God. Then you can be excited. If He's not your King, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Make Him your King and do it today. Let's finish this up. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. And so God is going to choose for them the king that they want, a worldly king. King Saul, he will have a good start. He does not have a good reign. and He does not have a good finish. And he is a type of the Antichrist who is to come. But then God will give him a king that is after his own heart, and that's King David. And David was not perfect because he was a type. He was a type of what? He was a type of Christ who will be the perfect king and who will come after the Antichrist. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.